he caught me off guard here. You sure we want a live stream right away? No, we. <laughs> what a night to pick live stream. Yes, that's, oh, amen. amen. <laughs> that's great. Amen. All right. I would say really, 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 you know, try to get anybody that you can um, to come to the to the program. I think it's going to be a great program. A lot of people working really hard. Obviously, a lot of work has gone in up here, uh, and uh, so I, I just think it's going to be fantastic and and a lot of enjoyment for that night. All right, if you go to Romans chapter thirteen, uh, we were pricking, picking up uh, really at verse verse eight is where we kind of finished off. Uh, there, and we'll just pick up there. But you know, the first seven verses of Romans chapter thirteen, we deal with uh, you know the very difficult concept of submission to authority. That's what you know. Those first seven verses are really just slamming us in the face about the submission to authority. But what's even more difficult? It's, it's talking about submission to wicked authority. Uh, it, it, you know, none of us. I, I'll be honest with you. I, most of us. Uh, we, we don't deal well with authority. I mean, we think we do. We talk like we do. But, but it, it, you know, it, it, can hit us, it can hit us pretty hard uh, anytime, you know, correction comes. And we talked about that with the men a little bit uh, over our split session. But, but, but when wicked authority is in power, that's when it really tests your Christianity. Do you believe the book? Do you believe the Word of God? Because the Word of God, verses 1 through 7 in the book of Romans, and it's all the Word of God, and it tells us that we're su- to submit to those higher powers and, th- and that there are no powers that be that except those powers be of God. God uh, allows those to be in power. And so uh, that's what verses you know, the 1 through 7, and it says, then verse 8, it, it applies to the, I believe, to verses 1 through 7, but then it also is kind of a, a transitional verse uh, that reveals the great need that we all have in order that we will, we will yield to authority, uh, the authority of others, and, and the need that we all have to live with others. And, and yielding to authority is necessary for us to be able to yield to others. And, and that's what verse 8 is. And in verse 8, of course, uh, it says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And so... Uh, and now this generation again, Mike uh, talked about it uh, Sunday night. But you know, this generation more, maybe more so than any. And I don't think uh, everything's uh, cyclical. And and so I'm sure we've been through this before throughout humanity. But but in America anyway, it's so much about uh, you know just love, love because love fulfills the law. Uh, no, the the fact is is that the scripture uh, says here that for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law and what it's saying is is that uh, that you will do everything he has told you to do and what he's about to tell you to do if you truly love each other then you will do those things it's not saying that you just say I'm love 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 and 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 now I fulfilled everything while you know I'm into every kind of sin that I can be in no but I still love everybody no uh, God's saying that, that true love is going to be in a, a love of obedience, and that's what this uh, passage talks about. So submission to authority is the key to Here's really what these last few verses are going to talk about, I believe. Submission to authority is the key to any society existing without chaos. 
And this is what God's really going to talk about through here. He's, he's taught us how we need to yield to our authorities, how to submit to those authorities. And he's telling us really uh, why we have to do that. He's, he's saying because it's all about human relationships and that human relationships have to work well together for society to work well together. And, and he says love is the key to all of that blending, all of that gelling, all that working together. And so love is the key to submission. Living by the commandments of God are also essential to a working society. And living by the commandments of God are, all, are essential to personal relationships. And this is what we're going to see in these, in these verses real quickly. But love is the basis for all obedience to leaders, to man, to God. Love looks away from self to others. Verse 9, look at verse 9. It says, for this thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, it's talking about love, and love fulfills the law. And, and, and look, if, that, if, if all it's just love and you don't have to worry about any of the law, then why is God going to turn right around after he says love fulfills the law and start quoting the law to you? Because it didn't do away with it, it enabled you to fulfill it. And so, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. See how clear it is, God's saying, look, you don't do these things, and you won't do these things if you really love everybody. But the problem is we love ourselves, and we really don't love anybody else. I'd love to just hear y'all breathe or something. <laughs> it is so quiet. Okay. Now, these commands are personal. They, of course, affect you if you violate them. So, you know, we have to understand, God, when God says uh, don't do these things, yes, He's, he's trying to help us because if we do them, they're going to hurt us. They're going to hurt me personally. If I do any one of these things, it's going to hurt me. But what we have to also understand is, is that uh, these, these also affect others. It affects society. It affects other people. Uh, if you violate them, uh, they, you are violating uh, the entire society that you live in. And, and that's what, again, what's happening in our society is that everybody just lives for themselves, so they're violating all of God's laws, and it's actually destroying the society that we live in. The violation of these listed commands greatly affect personal relationships and society as a whole. And so God said it affects you, it affects those that you're personally uh, involved with, it affects all the society surrounding you. Now, Adultery greatly affects the adulterer, but it also personally affects the one who, who it is committed against. It also affects the other family. It also affects our society as a whole. You have to understand, God's saying, look, how much damage you're going to do when you do something so selfish as to just simply please yourself. God's saying, you're hurting everybody. Yes, you're hurting yourself, but you're hurting everybody else. The murderer, uh, the murder affects the murderer, but also affects the one murdered, of course. It affects the family of the one murdered. It affects society. Stealing, lying, coveting, we see these prevalent in our society. The hurt and detriment is personally, it is on a personal level, but it affects all of society. 
as a whole. We pay more for everything that we purchase because so much theft is involved. They have to, mark, they have to put that into everything that we purchase in order... We, every time you go out and buy something from Walmart, you're paying for the things that people stole from Walmart. And watch this, and the society's so crazy and, and theft is so prevalent that they, they really, in many ways, they've given up. They don't try to stop it. They just throw the price into what you're purchasing to cover it. You know, I loved it when, when I was back in college and, 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 and catching shoplifters. I asked them before I went to work for them, I said, do you really want me to catch them or do you just want me there as a deterrent? And they looked at me, and again, I'll remind you that I work for Jewish owners, but uh, they looked at me and they said, we don't care if they take a penny. You get them. And I said, you're my kind of people. <laughs> and I did. I got 10 stitches in my lower lip over a dollar and 14 cent wristband. But he went to jail. <laughs> he was about a six foot one karate instructor. Now, I didn't find that out, out until afterwards. It wasn't like he had a sign on his back saying karate instructor. But when I chased him down, he wheeled around and kicked me in the mouth. And I thought, where did that come from? And I dropped to my knees, and blood started gurgling out of my mouth and boiling out. My, and it looked like I had two mouths because one went open this way and the other one opened that way. And, that, and, 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 man, he took off running, and I'll be honest with you, that made me mad. And I jumped up, and I caught him from behind, and he never knew I was coming this time, and I drove him headfirst into the pavement. That's a terrible thing. I did. And he jumped on top of him, grabbed him by his head, put my knee behind his head, grabbed his hair, pulled it back against my knee, pulled his arm behind his back, and I spit blood in the back of his head and said, now kick me again. And he went to jail, amen. The crazy thing is, is everybody, the whole store got ripped off for about 30 minutes because every employee was at the windows looking out the window watching the preacher. Hey, come watch the preacher. Now, all these, all these things, though, would be stopped if we actually cared about somebody else rather than ourselves. Right. If we truly love God and loved others, for love is not about ourselves, our benefit. Love is about how others can be helped and blessed. And God says, when you really feel that way, you don't do these things. Verse 10, look at verse 10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. And, and look, those things he just listed for us, those are ill. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of law. Uh, all the previously mentioned sins greatly affect our, our neighbor in a negative way. Now, uh, we're going to go down. Let's see. Where are we? I don't remember where I am now. Uh, we're at verse uh, 11, right? And that knowing this, the time that now it, uh, now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And, and I, I love the simplicity, to me, the simplicity of the Word of God. It says, and that now knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. You know, I wish I could say that to this entire world that we're in right now. It's just, wake up! You're being so stupid. Christians, Living like the world, acting like the world, doing what the world does, violating everything God says. And God's saying, wake up! 
Don't you know that your time's running short? He looks at it and he says, And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. And you say, well, wait a minute, I don't understand. Now, salvation near. The, he's talking about us being, uh, being salvaged away, us being carried away, us being uh, brought out of this, uh, this mess that we're in. He said, do you understand? He said, it's nearer than when you believed. How old were you when you believed? 39. 39. I don't know if you know this, but you're nearer to seeing the Lord than you were at 39. You're right about that. Amen? And did you know every one of us, we're nearer than we were yesterday? That's what he's really, what God's really saying. He's saying, look, he said, you know, you believed back here and you believed in me. And he said, now wake up and pay attention to what I'm telling you. Wake up, pay attention to how you live. Wake up and pay attention to what's being said here and what you're doing and how you're acting and how you're living because you're going to face me a lot sooner than you think. Pretty simple, really. Now, if you look at verse 12, it says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Again, oh my goodness, I wish I, I, I really do. I wish I could get this grace movement to read the Bible. And can I tell you, the, the fact is, is that many of them, the problem is, is their Bibles have been changed so much and read like novels so much that they don't really realize what it's saying to them. The Word of God's been changed so much, it doesn't have the power to, to, to grip them. And when you live in sin, you also don't have a yielding to the Spirit of God. And the Bible is spiritually written and spiritually understood. And unless you say to the Spirit of God, teach me, what happens is it just becomes a book to read. And it does nothing to you. But God says here, he says in verse 12, the night is far spent. Again, he's warning us. You know, the scripture says, work for the, for the night is coming. You know, this verse, this verse and the previous verse would seemingly have direct application to today. It's, it's time to open our eyes to get our head out of the clouds, come to reality. If we really understood that our time is short in this life, that our deliverance from the wicked world is closer than we think and much closer than we first believed in Christ, our life is but a vapor. Uh, verse 13, uh, and the scripture says, Go to now ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and, yet, uh, and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on, tomorrow, on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You know, look what God's saying. It, this, this parallels this verse, these two verses we're just reading. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. God's saying, look, uh, look, do you understand that your life is a vapor? Your time is short. So look, if you understand you're only here for a little while, do good. Because if you know to do good and you don't do good, he said that's sin. And that's why we're teaching all through the book of Romans, because it tells us how to do good. It tells us what right and wrong is. 
It tells us what sin is and what it's not. And again, that whole movement is in so enamored with God's okay with anything. What happens is, is that they, they're just not reading these simple passages. He, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. There is a such thing as sin. Still in 2017, there's sin. Now, and remember he said, for thou shalt not commit adultery and yada, yada. All right. Now, and we'll finish up verse 12. It says, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So again, God's emphasizing that there must be some things that are wrong, darkness, and must be some things that are right, the light. God's just making it clear, and he said, you, you know, a lot of people want to feel like and want to teach that there's, a, that there's a lot of gray area, but let me help you. There's, there may be gray area in our mind because we just can't figure it out yet, but in God's mind, there are no, there's no gray area. It's black or white. It, it's right or wrong. It's good or evil. There's no in-between. Well, it's sort of good and, you know, it's not really that bad. No, God doesn't think that way. And God doesn't live that way. Now, as I said, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. It's a reiteration of the fact that life is short in each moment. Uh, each day it gets shorter. So, now, we've got to put on the, the armor of God, and that armor is the light for Christ is the light. So, uh, God's saying there is a, there's, there's just... That's the difference there. I mean, it still exists. There's darkness, there's light. Verse 13, if you look at it, we're about, about done. It says, let us walk honestly as in a day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and then envying. Again, there's a, a young man, and he's a he's a preacher and he he is very much into um the the outreach where everybody is basically scantily clothed and it's uh i wish i could get him to read the bible and know what these words mean. You say, well, isn't that why we need to change the Bible so we know what the words mean? The Bibles that change these words, they don't really tell you what they mean. They change the meaning. Now, let me just go through these if I, if I can. Rioting. Look at it, it says, uh, let us walk honestly. That's the first key. Honestly. It's dishonest to commit any of the things he just said about lying, cheating, stealing, adultery, murder. That's dishonest. Honestly, as in the day, again talking about the light, not in rioting and drunkenness. Rioting is basically, in our concept, it would be late night partying, sensually and with alcohol. It's when, when out there the world says, we're going to party tonight. And involved in that is going to be alcohol and usually some sort of sensuality. 
drunkenness, we should understand, and, but it goes hand in hand with rioting. That's why that's, it's in there like that, rioting and drunkenness, because in the definition of rioting is, is a portion of its drunkenness. But when you get to a word like chambering, you say, well, why don't we change those, those words? Because I'm telling you, you, because, look, if, we, if you change the words, words change continuously every year. So you're going to change these words, and your Bible's going to change every year for the, for the rest of your life. No, what you do is you get a dictionary, okay? You get a dictionary, and you look it up, and you say, well, what does that mean? What does chambering mean? Well, chambering is sexual sins, adultery, and fornication. That means going from bed to bed. Wantonness is shameless sensuality. You say, well, what does that mean? It's, it's lasciviousness. And some of you probably don't even know what, what that word means. But again, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a biblical word, but it's not a, it's not a word that's not used uh, in our society. It's still a word that can be used, just not that common. But it just it means that you act, dress, and walk, talk, act, dress in such a way as to cause someone else to lust. When you do something to cause someone else to go to take that second look to lust. That's what wantonness, shameless sensuality. Strife. Well, when you are into rioting, drunkenness, chambering, and wantonness, guess what's going to come along with that? Strife and conflict. It's going to come. And then envying, envying, which is jealousy and lusting for what you do not have. You know, again, this is, these, these things all uh, tied up together. But this is all with God saying, look, don't do these things. So obviously there must be something that's right or wrong. There must be things that God still thinks is wrong. And so when he lists them for us here, and of course this is not inclusive, but this, these types of things, regardless of the day and age we live in, God says that there are some things that simply should not be done. That's, that's why, look, I think Mike might have mentioned it, but that's why, you know, if, if, uh, if, America had never gone past uh, square dancing. If America had never gone past, yeah, thank you. Then, okay. But when you put on music and then you gyrate your body sexually and sensually, That's causing somebody else to lust. You know, I was barely, barely saved when I, when I came to the realization that most of modern dancing is immorality standing up to music. How are y'all doing tonight? Verse 14. It says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ... And oh my goodness, how many people are trying to tell us that 
these are the things that Jesus would do. Yeah, Jesus would go to this place. Jesus would do this thing. Jesus would be okay with that. Well, he just listed them and said, don't do them. And then he said, put on Jesus Christ. So they must be two completely different things. So don't tell me Jesus is okay with these things. These things he just said, don't do them. Hey, don't do those. Put on me. So don't come up to me and tell me Jesus is okay with those because if he's okay with those, that's him. Hello? But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. Make no provision. Not, uh, look, God says, don't make provision for the flesh. So, look, uh, there, there, was a, there, there was a fellow years and years ago, and, and his, his uh, ministry was beach evangel- evangelism. And I didn't mind if his ministry was beach evangelism, but, but he was always recruiting high school and college-age kids to go do it. Folks, there's some things that you're not... You don't, you got to go somewhere else. Some things are just stupid. To go out there on the beach and go, look, when you can go find people with clothes on and witness to them anywhere in the world. But you're going to take some teenager and put him down there with somebody about 90% naked? And tell them to be okay with soul winning? Just witness. I took some boys, and we were, we were a tour group, and we were down in, in, uh, in, in Florida. We, went to, we had to go to uh, shopping at a store, went into a store. And when we came through that store, in the store, there was a lady. Scantily clad. And I came around the corner, and this boy that I was with, I won't call his name, he came, he was like 18 years old, 19 something, he came right around me, and as I, I turned away, he went, I heard him go, ah, abba, ha, abba. And when I turned around, I thought the boy was going to pass out. Now, I don't think his mind was on soul winning for a few moments. Now, there's some stuff you just ought not put in your head. And that's what God's saying here. He's saying, but put you on the Lord Jesus and make not provision for the flesh. Look, we're going to have to endure some stuff because we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we can't control everything. But you don't make provision for it. You don't put yourself in that situation. I'm pretty sure, and I almost hate to say it, but I, I think you were telling the kids what stores not to go to at the mall. Well, there's some that you just don't go into. Why? Because you just don't want to make provision for the flesh. There's just some place you need to avoid. Because those images and things get in your head, now you've got to get them out of there somehow. And if you don't get them out of there, you know what you've done? Look what it, look what it says here. It says, make not provision for, uh, uh, for the flesh, 
to fulfill the lust thereof. Once you make provision for the flesh, you will fulfill the lust thereof. And lust, when it conceived, bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. So we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you. Have the heart of God. Have a desire for his word. If we'll do this, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When we provide for the flesh, when we try to please the flesh, we will end up fulfilling the lust that is created. That's, that's why a very wise man said that, I can't remember what he said. I guess I must not be a wise man. What was that saying that I was looking for? It just left my head here. It don't matter. Hmm. Hold on. Uh, oh, yes. Every tragedy in human character, there's a process of wicked thinking. So when somebody crashed and burned morally, it didn't just happen. It was a thought process that led to it. So, and that's when lust hath conceived and bringeth forth sin. All right, Brother Allen's going to close us in a word of prayer. And-